0: I'm Sarah Bivens.
1: And I'm Matthew Bivens.
0: We had a home birth back in 2016.
1: So we started a podcast about it.
0: And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth.
1: This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey.
0: This is Doing It At Home. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Sarah here. Just want to thank you so much for listening and being here with us. Today's episode is having a peaceful home birth in 2020 with Michaela Sarver. So before we get into that, just want to welcome you again. If you are new to the show, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so happy you found us. Be sure to hit subscribe, follow us, like, review, check in and connect with us in all the ways that you can. You can see all of those options for you in the show notes. So whatever device you are listening with, look at the description below. There should be links to our website, our Facebook group, our Instagram, ways to connect further with us, as well as our private Facebook group, which is 2,200 and growing. It's a really beautiful space and community to Connect more with home birth parents, connect more with us, get resources, feedback, all that great stuff, and oxytocin vibes abound there. So go check that out. Okay, let's get into today's story. We're chatting with Michaela Sarver, and a couple of main topics and themes of this episode Pregnant in America, the documentary, which oddly enough, Matthew and I had never heard of until we had this conversation with Michaela. So might seem kind of crazy that we do this home birth podcast and been doing it for a while, but we're always learning about new resources. I love it. So Pregnant in America, business of being born, one of the big gateways, if you will, to the home birthing world. So many of our guests and listeners talk about business of being born. We talk about a non stress test during the end of pregnancy and how that kind of came up for Michaela. We talk about membrane sweeps. We talk about going past your due date or guest date. We talk about birthing pools and we talk about birth during the time of COVID, which was very relevant for Michaela. So, quick word from our sponsor, and then you will hear Michaela's story. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus
2: terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hi, Michaela. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am well. How are you guys? Fabulous.
1: Yes, we are awesome. (laughs) Super grateful that you are here hanging out with us. So thanks again, Michaela.
2: Yes, I am happy to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Yes. So just kick us off with a little bit about you and your family.
2: All right. Well, I am almost 28 years old. Um, I have two sons and a husband, um, Chris Casper and Oric. Oric and Casper are my two sons. Um, And for the last year, I've been taking care of my sister's kids. Um, They're 13, 10 and 7 now. So it's been quite a crazy year for us.
0: Yeah, that's a full house you got there. Or you had there.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. They have returned home since. um, But we still take them every weekend. And then they just spent the last two months at our house. So,
0: Mm -hmm. and been fun with an interesting year, you know. Oh, my goodness. So, all right. So, how are you doing? How are you? (laughs) Maybe we need to shift this conversation (laughs) entirely. Um, I, you know, the last, I I would say probably year
2: and a half has definitely had ups and downs, but we're, we've come out stronger. So I think we're, we're doing good. You know, um, the, we've had this last year to like reflect and grow as a family and as people and, um, help all of our kids get stronger and, and grow as people as well.
0: That's such a beautiful yeah. perspective. I really appreciate that. Wow. Oh that's beautiful. Oh and so I mean you ju- you're just surrounded by all these boys. <laughs> oh my
2: goodness. Yes. There is one one girl, Jayana, and she is just like uh, she is a little light she really is. She that's just is great. such a caregiver. She wants to like make sure everybody's okay all the time and it's wonderful. Nice. Wow.
1: Can all you right. can you share the origin of Casper's name and Oryx's name?
2: Yeah. um, So Kasper's name my husband picked. It's a very old Polish name and his family is very Polish. Um, So we just like to stick with names that are a little more unique that, um, you know, are still like classic and like um, not made up, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Oryk is a very old German name. My family's very German. So we, you know, just go on baby names and looking around on the internet and we found them and just fell in love with them. We actually had Oryk's name picked out right after we gave birth to Casper because we knew we wanted a second. And I don't know about me, but I know a lot of my friends like immediately have baby fever after they have their first baby. So we Mm. were... We were looking around for names already by then.
0: That's funny. Oh,
1: that's cool. I love the origin of both of those. I
0: also love very Polish and very German, (laughs) like as (laughs) the descriptor, because I think so many, regardless of your nationality or where your family comes from, I feel like so many people can resonate with that. Like, oh yeah, my family is very blank. Like, whatever it is.
2: (laughs) That is funny. dad's mother grew up in a small community just outside of Appleton, and they didn't speak English until they moved into Appleton. Um, They were a German Community entirely, just like a farming community. Mm-hmm. And so we have really strong German roots here.
0: Nice. Wow. That's cool. Wow. Okay. All right. So bringing it to, cause I feel like we're going all over here and having fun, <laughs> which is awesome. Where did home birth come up for you all? How and when, and what was that conversation? Um,
2: so I always knew I wanted a home birth. I mean, not always. Um, okay. I, I never really thought about having kids. I always kind of, Assumed that I would be raising my sister's kids, (laughs) like as a small child. So, uh, my friend invited me over to her house when I was 16, and she's like, I need to show you these documentaries. And I'm sure you know which documentaries I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, Being born and pregnant in America were the two. And so, we sat down and watched those two back to back. And as a 16 year old, I'm like, I'm not going to go to the hospital. That is not a thing for me Um, before I even knew that I wanted my own kids. So, when my husband and I decided that we did want to have children, I immediately was like, hey, listen, I, I'll i go to the, the hospital to get some ultrasounds done and like establish with um, an OBGYN, but I want to do this at home. Mm. And he was like, well, this is your uterus. So we're going to do what you want to do. <laughs> and uh, he was so, totally supportive of the whole thing. And um, he always says that it was a great experience to be able to just like be a part of the birth um, on a whole different level than he would have been allowed to in the hospital.
0: Mm. I oh, think that's, cool. that's so, yeah, I think that's so cool. And also I, I was not watching birth documentaries at 16. Yeah, so I think wild. your friend is so cool. It's like, I need to show you this. Cause I mean, I don't even know she what did, we're, Yeah. She's very
2: cool. She, um, she, she didn't have a home birth herself. She went in hospital for all three of her kids, but, um, she's supportive of my journey. And it was, it was great to have her as a resource, especially as a younger
0: kid. For sure. Yeah. I wish I was hanging out with you guys. I was watching probably <laughs> ridiculous stuff. Stuff at 16, not that too, but yeah.
1: And I, I haven't heard of Pregnant in America before. Have you, love?
0: I actually haven't, and there might be like gasps right now out there given what we do and, yeah. and what show we do, and that I hadn't heard of that. But you might hey. need to check it out.
2: That's, yeah, it's a great documentary. It um focuses more on like the costs of healthcare mm-hmm. um, and how much it costs to be. Pregnant in America versus in other countries, and it follows oh, okay. the journey that um, this couple has for their pregnancy. It's a really great.
0: Gotcha. Well, we'll add it to the list. And this, yeah, absolutely, this could be a monumental moment. Uh, Michaela, thank you for <laughs> exposing us to a resource that we very likely should have known about already. So <laughs> that's awesome.
1: So, Michaela, you say Chris was, you know, pretty cool from the start with home birth, um, but during the course of your first pregnancy, did anything come up? Any Fears or any areas that made him uncomfortable that the two of you discuss and, and work through?
2: No, my first pregnancy was very typical, um, you know, morning sickness and super healthy all the way through. Um, the only thing that was like he had worries about was mostly um, like the financial situation. Our midwife was great at working with us though on like payment plans and working with our insurance to get um, the payments settled. Um, he's like a very financially minded person. So he just wanted to be able to make sure that we were not only going to be able to pay for the birth, but pay for anything that would go wrong during the birth and then still be OK afterwards. Um, and I was fortunate enough to like have nothing super serious happen during my first birth and mm. it came out OK.
0: I think that's great that you bring that up because that is a very common topic in in birth in general. And then when you start looking at other options finances is is absolutely a factor and it's so different wherever you live which is a thing yeah. too like it's very hard to find a consistency or to like see a pattern and and count on that being the case for you it's just so all over the board it it seems like but i appreciate you bringing that up because it is a very real concern it is a very real thing that people take into account and these are great conversations to be having Before pregnancy, even, you know, and and thinking, you know, as you plan ahead and I think it's a it's great to I think it can tie into how you look at your finances and your budgeting, like as a family going forward in general, like birth is just one area, you know, that you're going to be looking at that. But um, I think just to one of the things that I feel is empowering in that space it's just asking the questions, talking to people. Like you said, your midwife worked with you. I, I I see often, you know, some people say, I just couldn't afford home birth, period, end. Like, that's that's it. Well, right. did you look into payment plans? Did you look into sliding scale? Did you look into putting it on your registry and having, like, your oh, yeah. community crowdfund your birth? I mean, yeah. these are all possibilities. And so I just think – um, Unfortunately, money can be that differentiating factor for some people. However, I don't think it has to be if that's truly where, you know, your birthing personality lies, if that's truly what would work best for you, you know, like, let's see what's possible.
2: Right. I'm very uh, I feel fortunate for others. I don't apply for this, but um, my midwife now accepts Badger Care, which is our form of state aid. Like state insurance. So I'm pretty excited for that's like opening doors for people who couldn't otherwise afford home births, you know? Um, And I think that's really important to like bring those resources to communities that wouldn't otherwise be able to have them.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. And Badger Care, that's too awesome. Yeah, (laughs) Badger Care. Okay. Um, Okay. So we're, you know, on board with the home birth we're planning you're in your first pregnancy pretty uncomplicated it sounds like or otherwise you know nothing really to write home about other than super exciting yeah,
2: super exciting very uncomplicated um the only thing that some people would consider a complication i don't um i went to 42 and a half weeks um gestation oh. yeah so i was very pregnant by the time i actually gave birth and we did a couple of things to try and um get labor started. I was I, I was excited to be post dates just because it's such a stigma. You know, everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, you need to have your birth be your baby by 40 weeks otherwise it can get so dangerous." And it's really it's not as dangerous as like the outcomes are the same. You mm-hmm. know, um once you hit 42 weeks it starts to change a little bit, but so anyway, um yeah, I guess I'll just get into my first birth story now. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we did a couple of things to try and like instigate the labor. Um, when I was 41 and a half weeks pregnant, um, we, uh, tried, you know, all of the natural routes, uh, uh, sex and, um, I was taking primrose oil orally, not vaginally or anything. Um, and you know, just all of the natural things, spicy foods, pineapples, walking. Oh my gosh. So much walking. The antique <laughs> mall knows me by name now because it's so <laughs> large and I could walk around for hours in there. Um, so I was getting a little bit discouraged. My midwife was getting a little bit discouraged. Uh, My husband was very discouraged and she was, she suggested that we try castor oil. She's like, I've seen it work in the past. And I was hesitant just because I've had, um, friends who have tried the castor oil and every single one of them who did do castor oil ended up in like a cesarean. Mm. And so I was really hesitant about it. Um, but I reluctantly, tried it and, um, it was the worst thing I've ever, it was worse than labor. I would never recommend it to anyone. Mm. Um, I just spent, you know, the rest of the night on the toilet and it didn't instigate labor. So it was not fun for me. Um, so they tried to do a Foley bulb, uh, mixed with the castor oil situation mm. and that still did not instigate anything. So by that time I was almost 42 weeks pregnant. They, uh, scheduled a non-stress test for the following week. Um, and the, the non-stress test is basically where you go in, they do an ultrasound and then they give you a little clicker and you're supposed to track your fetal movements. Right. So I go in for my non-stress test. I'm 41 and a half week or 42 and a half weeks now. And, um, they do the, they do the ultrasound first and I can see my baby. I can see him moving. He's healthy. Everything's normal. Um, I I had to go into a clinic for this instead of doing this at home just Mm -hmm. because I couldn't afford for the ultrasound people to come to my house Mm -hmm. and do it. Um so I as soon as I walk in all of the nurses just look at me and I can hear them whispering they're like that's the 42 weeker you know oh, like whispering God. to each that's... other and I'm like are you serious this is so unprofessional <sighs> so we see my baby moving he's very healthy and I'm I mean like I'm not an ultrasound tech but I can see what's going on I've attended like seven births before my own um and I can see that everything looks normal and the ultrasound tech wouldn't tell me what's going on she She told me that he had hair and that was it. And I was like, wow, this is such a great experience. Um, So we go back to our, like a little room for the non-stress test. And this is like a typically inactive period for him. It was around four o'clock and he was always, I guess, napping, you know, in my womb at the time. So I told the nurses that I was like, well, we just saw him moving. I'm sure he's okay. Um, but you know, we have to carry out this test, but I'm telling you now he's not going to be very active. And he wasn't. Um, And then two nurses came in. One of them told me that basically that I was imagining all of his kicks and that my baby was probably dead. And I was like floored. I was absolutely floored. I, the other nurse like shooed her out of the room, like, how how could you say that to someone? Yeah, it was just, that was a terrible experience. And so I go back to see the OBGYN. Now the OBGYN I got established with um, was on vacation that week. So another reason I'm I did home birth because my midwife was not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw someone new and he was great. Um, I mean, he was a little patronizing. He told me that if I was his daughter, he would have induced me a week ago. And I was like, that's wonderful for your daughter oh. that, you, her twice, you know? Uh, but yeah. So that was annoying, but otherwise he was great. He, he asked for my consent before he touched me at all. He asked mm-hmm. for my consent to do a vaginal exam. He, and then while he was there, he told me how effaced and, um, dilated. I was, he asked if he was like, if it was a possibility for him to strip my membranes, if I was okay with that. And he explained the procedure and I was like, sure, let's do it. I just want to get this labor started. Like anything, anything to help at this point. Um, because I didn't want to go in hospital. I didn't want to lose my chance for home birth. Um, my midwife said she would carry me to 45 weeks, but it would just get really, really risky. And she wouldn't, like feel comfortable doing that. Um, but she would, if I was like refusing to go to the hospital, okay. so he stripped my membranes and it was like really gentle. It was a little uncomfortable, but not, not, not painful or anything. Um, and then I remember sitting up and just feeling like a gush and, I immediately start contracting and I'm sitting there with like my legs like closed as tightly as possible and like wincing in pain as he's talking to me. And he's like, Oh, if you don't go into the labor for the next, in the next two days, come back and we'll have to induce you. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, that's great. Get out of this room now. So I can go home and call my midwife because I'm oh, in labor. Wow. <laughs> go
0: away. Not my dad.
2: <laughs> not my dad perfect. Um, so we like snuck out of there as quickly as possible. I had to like stop and like squat in the elevator. Cause I was contracting so hard oh, wow. and we get home and call the midwife. She comes over right away and she's like, yep, it looks like we're having a baby. That's great. Um, so labor progressed. I labor, we, we had a, uh, the fishy pool as Yay. my birth. Uh, yes. And so we set that up in our bathtub. We got it all. Well, I think we only filled it halfway because we didn't know how long it was going to, my labor was going to be. Um, and I think we ended up draining it and filling it again because I, I ended up having an 18 hour labor, um, which to me doesn't seem like a, a super long labor for a first time mom, just mm-hmm. because I'm like a little educated about birth. But whenever I tell people I had an 18 hour labor, they were like, oh, my goodness, that's so long. Um, so I was about 18 hours, about halfway through um, I, I started vomiting like right when I started to transition mm-hmm. and I just could not stop vomiting at all. I, even a drop of water, everything would come back out. Um, and I, my, my breathing started to get a little shallow. I, my labor just totally stalled. And, um, uh, my midwife had called for someone to help assist with, um, an IV. She's really experienced, but she did not feel comfortable placing an IV herself just because I was already so dehydrated. She wanted someone who was like, gonna nail it on yeah. the first post, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so she had a mid like her assistant midwife come and, um, they were a nurse midwife. So they uh, stuck me and As soon as I got that IV in me, it was like, go, go juice. I was like back in labor. We were ready to go. Um, I ended up getting three bags of fluids and, um, I eventually I got in the pool and that was to help a cervical lip that I had because when my labor was stalled, I was laying on one side. So it was putting a lot of pressure on my cervix. So that side of my cervix didn't dilate fully. Um, So they did some Arnica gel on it. And eventually I just like, I had to resist pushing. And I think that was the worst part of my labor was like, I had to stop myself from pushing for like an hour, a half an hour, I, yeah, it was all very fuzzy, so I don't know how long exactly it was, but that was just intense. Um, and then eventually I just couldn't stop anymore. I was like, I cannot contain this feeling anymore. Um, I need to push. And so I started pushing and out came my baby just two seconds later. And he was, he was super healthy and um, Chris was behind me. He was supporting me. I was on my back. Um, so he was able to give me like some, some back support as I, uh, you know, uh, used all of my force to push this baby out and it was, it was great. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow.
1: Can, can you go back to, um, the, the hour where you did not push and can you explain mm-hmm. how how come you weren't pushing in that hour?
2: Um, so because of the cervical lip because I wasn't fully dilated, okay. if I would have okay. started pushing, it could have caused um like a prolapse type situation to happen And that's like the last thing that we wanted to happen. So we were just trying to get that side of my cervix to dilate fully. Um, And it it dilated some more, but it wasn't full. My midwife said that I had a partial cervical prolapse, but it was like, it was all right. I had a lying in period afterwards during postpartum. I laid in my bed for like two straight weeks and everything was fine. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. Okay, so go go back to that moment when he comes out. I mean, what was that like?
2: It was amazing, really. Um I didn't have like a mirror or anything, so I couldn't really see what was going on. I didn't cry. Chris cried though. And I I remember like pulling him out but not bringing him above the water yet. It was just like it was just like 2 seconds um, you know, where he was just like in my arms under the water. Wow. And I just saw him and he was he was great. I remember like the gush of fluids that came out had meconium in it. Um, okay. And it, I think it was during like the stress of labor that he released his meconium. So there wasn't any in his lungs or anything, mm-hmm. but it was alarming for me to like know what that is and see that gush of fluids coming out right before my baby. I was like, Oh, there's meconium in this even while I'm in labor, you know, and, yeah. and like pushing him out. I was a little worried, but he was super healthy. I'm really grateful for that.
0: <laughs> you
2: know, it was just great to like be able to pull him out of the water and put them on my chest, and just like have my baby,
0: yeah, oh, that's so wonderful. That is really awesome. We had i there was meconium in the fluids that released when Maya came out too, and you know that there's a mixed bag of reviews on that, you know, on what people think about that or or have to say about that. But in the care in my understanding, in the context of care, like midwifery and how they handle things, there's that ever vigilant you know, watchful eye of what the situation is. And if any sort of measures need to be taken, they will be. Um, but we didn't need that. And it sounds like you didn't need that either. And so, um, whereas my, my understanding and how it was told to me is that if we were in the hospital, Maya just would have been taken away immediately. And I probably wouldn't have seen her for a bit.
2: Yeah, that's how I understand it as well. And they would have immediately started like antibiotics and, yeah. you know, to head off a lung infection. And I'm really grateful that we did it at home because you know, I have all of the reasons that you listed. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh my goodness. So
1: so after he came out and so you were in the tub, how long did you stay in the, uh, in in the birth pool?
2: Not very long. I got out, um, almost immediately. It was maybe a minute. I hadn't delivered my placenta yet. Um, Mm, and they brought me into my bedroom to deliver my placenta. And so after that, um, after I delivered my placenta, they stitched me up and initiated breastfeeding and everything. And um, that, you know, went all well. And then they left. It was so peaceful.
0: Wow. And so <laughs> it was who so all peaceful. was there?
2: It was my husband, obviously. Um, oh, There was a lot of people at my first birth. Oh so really? My husband. My, yes. My best friend, Brooke. I've been friends with her since first grade. She took some pictures for me. And she was actually at my second birth as well. She took mm. a bunch of pictures from my second birth. Um and my friend Ashley, she doesn't live around here anymore, much to my dismay. But she was a great resource during labor. She helped support me and like held my hands and helped support Chris too. I think that's something that a lot of people forego in their births. Is like, you know, the partner needs support too. They've no, they've gone through this as many times as you have in uh-huh. some cases, and uh-huh. they also need support. So it was really great to have Ashley there to help support Chris because they she's our mutual friend. Uh-huh.
0: Um, And there there was a bunch
2: of midwives there. My midwife, Anja Farron, um, she operates out of Sheboygan now. And then she had a student midwife and then the, the nurse midwife came to assist. So that's three midwives. And then they had one more, like a fresh student midwife Mm. to come and just like be an extra hand. My, because my labor was so long, it was, um, It was a full house. Anja actually had to leave because she had another client go into labor at the same time. So she had to go to that labor and like check on her and then come back. And it was it was crazy. Absolute craziness.
0: That's hey, but house party. Somehow it it all (laughs) it all served its purpose and worked out. That's cool. We had a full house, too. So I can appreciate that. You know, everyone having the roles and I'm right there with you with having dad or partner supported as well. Um, just just for that disbursement, you know, of the energy and the resources and for them to, you know, have a pit crew, if you will, as as well. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think that's a great thing to consider and think about when you're choosing your your birth supports and your team or even if it's not people who are there the whole time, I think. You know, some people I totally understand you might not want a big crowd. You might not want especially in the physical room with you, but maybe someone's just on standby like on the other side of the house and if they're needed right. they're right there or maybe there's an agreement where someone drops by at intervals to just see like are there any needs? Like do I need to make a run to some place to get food or towels or ice or or anything? You know, that can happen too. It doesn't just mean you have to have 10 people staring at you, you know, waiting for you right. to push the baby out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, my second birth, I didn't have I it was just Brooke and my husband and two midwives there. It was a lot shorter labor. Okay. Um and mm-hmm. so with Oric, I, I went to forty one weeks. Um and at the time we were still we had taken a break of having my sister's kids like a week before. My sister was not very safe during the coronavirus. Um, so we did not, if I contracted coronavirus before I went into labor, I would have not been able to have a home birth. I wouldn't have been eligible anymore. Um, just because there's some really weird blood clot things happening. Either you don't clot or you clot a bunch, you know, with the, when you're contract the coronavirus. So my midwife has experienced both of these firsthand. And she told me, she's like, if you are positive, I don't feel comfortable giving you care Um, so you would need to like transfer care to a hospital just for everybody's safety, you know? Um, so we, they, the kids had been going and spending like half the week at uh, my sister's house, you know, and half the week at our house. And we were finally contacted the caseworker and we were like, you know, we just need a couple weeks of like a, a break before we give birth so that we can like ensure that we're going to not have the coronavirus, you know, when we go into labor. So the kids returned home about two or three weeks before I went, you know, before my due date um, just to give us like a period where we could isolate and make sure that we weren't positive for the coronavirus. And, you know, we weren't trying to see anybody. Um, My friend Brooke who was planning on taking pictures was there. Um, She also had been isolating Um, And basically all of my support people that I was going to have watch my son and be there during the birth, all contracted the coronavirus like right before I went into labor. Um, Yes, uh, it was it was pretty that year had it was crazy. Um, My mother-in-law died the day before my son's birthday. So my father-in-law was by himself and I didn't trust him to take my son. But that ended up what happened Mm -hmm. um, because my mom got the coronavirus on Thanksgiving which was my due date. My due date was Thanksgiving. My sister-in-law, who was supposed to be my birth photographer, um, got the coronavirus two weeks before. So their last day of isolation was Thanksgiving. And it actually turned out that my, um, oh my goodness, my my best friend, Kaylee, the one who showed me the documentaries about her own birth, um, Mm -hmm. she was going to take my son um when i went into labor she also got the coronavirus like right before i went wow. into labor so every but all my support team were they were dropping like flies um it turned out that my waste pipe coming from my upstairs bathroom which is where i was planning on laboring um it broke it there was a huge crack in it about the size of my 3 year old um and so it started leaking like raw sewage into my basement and mm-hmm. my brother-in-law had to come over who is a plumber my brother-in-law who's a plumber had to come over on his last day of isolation to replace like my entire waste stack on thanksgiving day and it was just as if my year hadn't been crazy right. enough with you know it was one more thing and so that was my due date that he replaced my main waste stack in my house my kitchen was like totally dusty and the walls were open you know cuz it to access this pipe and i was like hoping that i go post dates just so i can get like a week or two of like normalcy and feeling like okay not even like good just okay. Before I go into labor and give birth to my son, you know, yeah. um, and that happened. Everything was okay for the next week Good. until I went into labor, and that my labor was very uncomplicated. I my husband was working twelve hour days, so he goes in at seven, he gets done at seven, and I just. The day I went into labor, I woke up and I was just exhausted. You know, I laid down in the recliner in my living room and I fell asleep like multiple times. And I would wake up and the house was just trash because I'm sleeping and there's a three year old running around, you know? So he's just pulling out all the toys, all the couch cushions are on the floor. And I finally woke up at four and I was like, I called Chris. I'm like, you need to come home. There is something wrong with me. I don't know what's happening. I cannot keep my eyes open. I can't, like, it's not safe because we have a three-year-old and he's destroying the house, you know? So you need to come home from work. And, um, all his coworkers were like questioning and they're like, is she in labor? Is this it? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I'm just tired. Okay. You just need to come home. And so he did. And, um, a few, you know, like maybe an hour after he got home, like I ate something and I started contracting and the contractions just got closer together. And I had been contracting for a couple of days, um, Mm -hmm. but none of it was like too serious. Um, but this was different. Like, I mean, based on my energy level for the entire day. And then when I started contracting, I just like had all of the energy, you know, and I was just ready to go. So I called my midwife, they were in, I think Steven's point or something. So they were like 45 minutes away. And, um, I told them that I was contracting. I told them it was like, you know, I think it was four, one, one is the statistic. Um, and so that was happening like one minute contractions, um, every one minute, you know what I mean? Okay. And for, for four hours. And so okay. I called them and I was told them that was happening. And, um, my midwife was like, all right, I'll get there as soon as I can. And they came home and changed. And she called me on her way over to my house and I was like sitting on the toilet and I was like, I'm still contracting pretty hard, you know? And then I had my bloody show, like, and I lost my mucus plug. And she was like, oh, wow, we're in labor. All right, I'm going to be <laughs> right there. So she came over, um, I, you know, and the birth plan went into action. We filled up the pool. We, And this time around, I made, like, a cover. Because the fish were really distracting in my first labor.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> it
2: was, like, very apparent that I was giving birth in a kiddie pool, you know. Yeah. So I went to thrift stores and, like, made a, a pretty white cover and had, like, fairy lights under. It was very relaxing. Aww. Um, But I ended up laboring for most of the time in in my bed. I was really cold, especially once I started transitioning. And this is December, Mm. um, December 8th, it was. And so I'm freezing and Chris is in bed with me and he's just like snuggling me, trying to keep me warm. And I'm like shaking like I've never shaked in my life. Mm. And it's totally, it was a transition thing. It wasn't that I was like actually cold. I was just transitioning into Mm. active labor. Um, And so this time my midwife brought her advanced student midwife, Hannah, um and she, Hannah's the one who coached me through most of the birth this time. Andra was just like a little hands off this time and which is great. I loved Hannah. Um I still love Hannah and uh I'll go with her for my next births. But um they finally convinced me to get into the the pool. I was like, I don't want to be colder, I don't want to go in the pool and feel freezing in this freezing temperature. Um, but it was so nice. I got in the pool and I was like, why didn't I do this two hours ago? This is amazing. And I labored there for probably two hours, um, until I was like really concerned about having a cervical lip again and they didn't really perform any like cervical checks during, um, my labor until I asked for one, which is great. Um, and Hannah, I remember her saying to me, she's like, what, what are you hoping the cervical check will achieve? Like, what information are you trying to gain from this check? And I told her I was concerned about a cervical lip and, um, So she checked for me and she's like, I'm surprised we haven't had this baby already. He's like right there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can start pushing at any time you want to. Um, And so I think I pushed for 20 minutes, maybe, maybe 20 minutes. And, um, and he came out and he was super healthy. No meconium. My waters were intact until his head emerged Um, so I was really hoping to have an in cowl birth, but just, just shy of one. Mm -hmm. Um, and everything went great. Oh, I missed a detail in the beginning. Um, when they first got there, they checked his heart rate during a contraction and during the peak of the contraction, they lost the heart rate. They couldn't find it anymore. And like, I, I heard it too. You know, you can hear the Doppler and it stopped. And I was, Hannah and I just look at each other and we're like, um, Mm. that's not normal, (laughs) you know? Um, so she listened through like the next few contractions and everything was fine. Well, it turned out his umbilical cord was wrapped around his forearm and it was like pinched in his forearm. And they think that maybe during the contraction, he like tensed up and pinched that umbilical cord so that, um, he, it was like restricting his blood flow Hmm. during that, that one contraction, the rest of them, they were fine because they listened through most of my contractions just because of that one anomaly in the beginning. Um, but you can see it, my, my friend Brooke she when she was taking pictures she got a picture of him like emerging he's like halfway out of me it's just this beautiful picture and you can see his cord like wrapped around his arm and it huh. was just like amazing to be able to capture that
1: wow that's cool
0: it is so fascinating just the whole the whole process you know your body baby's body yeah I, I, it's just some of it there, there aren't really words
1: it's interesting. I haven't heard of the cord being wrapped around an arm before. I don't think we've... we've Not had... like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And I I mean, it's it's common to get it wrapped around its neck. You know, that's mm-hmm. like a really natural place for the cord to settle. Sure. But like wrapped around a forearm. And I, I attribute it to being like him being very wiggly. He is still very wiggly. <laughs> and he was moving a lot in my belly. So I, I just assume that, you know, he got himself all tangled up with his acrobatics in there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So how did, how did it feel now after the the second birth, just in that space and that golden hour and, and soaking everything up and, and how was it for, um, Casper to meet his brother? It was, all of it was amazing.
2: Um, I, I felt really accomplished. I mean, both times I felt really accomplished Mm -hmm. and I was, I think the only reason that I was able to achieve home birth is because I was so stubborn, you know, like in Casper's labor, I kept getting tired and they were like, well, the only thing we can do for you right now is transfer you to the hospital. And I was like, hell no, that is not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm having this home birth. And with the second, uh, with Auric, I, I remember getting to a point where I was like, I know I can do this. I just like really don't want to, I'm just so tired, you know, but I was able to push through that. And then the golden hour was just miraculous with both of them. Um, I, I don't know, my husband and I both, both times we just like cuddled up in bed with our new baby and just all of the smells are just Mm. amazing. Like off a fresh baby. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just hormones, I guess. (laughs) That's That's how you describe it. It's so good. Um, And so that was great. They just, they left me to, you know, do my thing. Um, I delivered my placenta in the pool this time and they gave me a shot of Pitocin, which actually hurt Worse probably than the labor because it hurt, it like ached for days afterwards. Mm. Um, and yeah, they they were like, All right, you know what you do, you breastfed a first your first baby to 18 months, so you kind of know what you're doing. We're just gonna like observe you a little bit, and it was great. They just basically left us alone. My friend Brooke stayed around and like cooked us some food. And um, I think I gave birth at like four in the morning, so we were pretty tired. Mm -hmm. Everybody went to sleep except for me, I was you know still awake in sure, adrenaline. Sure. <laughs> um and then my father-in-law who had my son Casper he dropped him off at 8 in the morning he didn't call or text or anything he i just like hear my door open and my dog start barking and i remember looking at chris i'm like who the hell just walked in our
1: house? oh wow <laughs>
2: and it was my father-in-law and he was like so we took casper and we took him up there and casper was really timid towards oric at first um But then he just like settled right in and wanted to hold him. And they're still just like best buds. They Mm -hmm. really are like Casper goes out of his way to like play with his brother and give him toys and make sure he's comfortable and like help me with care. And it's so great. Like one of the things that I learned um, with having my sister's kids is that you should never like place responsibility of caring for a child onto another child. Um, but Casper just like wants it. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to be an active part of his brother's his brother's care. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful to watch the bond that they have.
1: Oh, that's amazing to hear.
0: That's so sweet.
1: So Casper's labor was about 14, excuse me, 18 hours. And what about Oryx?
2: Oryx was only start to finish about eight hours. Um, okay. So it was really cut in half there. And mm-hmm. I really I feel fortunate that I was able to go into labor like 100 percent on my own. Um, because with Casper, I had to have the, you know, the membrane sweep and we actually had a membrane sweep scheduled for Oric for the next day, like the day that he was actually born. Um, but I went into labor on my own and I was (laughs) really happy about that, that I didn't need any, any interventions or any instigations of labor at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. And so have your births brought about any conversations or influenced anyone around you, you know, whether it's friends or family, you know? Cause were you the first to home birth in kind of your extended group? Or I'm just curious what, if anything has come out of you having home births.
2: I was the first to home birth, Mm -hmm. um, in all of my, I don't have a large group of friends, especially during the pandemic. Everybody just kind of like, you know, um, you, you find out who your community is. Yeah. Um, but I was still like the first person to home birth in my group of friends. Um, my, when we got pregnant, my friends, Dan and Abby were living with us And, um, they, they got together because they wanted to have a baby. They didn't get together because they were dating first. Like they, they both wanted a baby. They wanted a co-parenting relationship and then they like fell in love and it's, they just got married. It's a beautiful love story. Um, but they ended up having a home birth as well. Um. It was actually, I guess they didn't have a home birth. They had a 22 hour labor and then they needed to transfer to a hospital and they ended up with um, a cesarean Mm -hmm. um, just because they had meconium in the waters and she was like so exhausted. Maternal exhaustion was such a huge part in their labor. Um, But they do want to try for a VBAC home birth with their subsequent babies. So Mm. um, she said I was a big inspiration for that, which is great. I just try and advocate for home birth or you know, just like natural birth, even not, not everyone's perfect birth is in their home. Some people's perfect birth is going to be in a hospital and that's okay. You know, um, it's just about knowing like what your needs are and, and finding the right supports for that, you know, um, having a home birth, you know, like for me, anybody who wasn't down with my home birth wasn't down with me. So I basically just like weaned myself out of those relationships before it came time to, you know, um, before they could even say anything negative.
0: I love that. I think that's Mm, great advice for anyone who might be grappling with that themselves.
1: Yeah, just to allow that encouraging, empowering, loving energy and conversation rather than other stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. Right, because if you have people telling you you can't do it on all sides, then chances are you're not going to be able to do it. It's almost entirely about support, you know, Um, and finding support. If you don't have it, Well, look for it. People are out there. I'm one of them. You know, if somebody came in a mom group on Facebook or anywhere and was like, hey, my family doesn't support this choice. I'll be there right beside them. I'm like, I don't know you. You're a complete stranger, but I support you and I honor you.
0: Totally. Oh, I love that so much. I felt that. I got goosebumps when you said that, Michaela. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, So in addition to that, because that's really great. I think right there, someone needed to hear that. You know, someone right now needed that. Um, anything else that you would just offer as far as um, a, a tip or a resource or something that was really helpful for you or just something that you would offer parents right now who are preparing for home birth?
2: Um, like I said, find your community. Mm-hmm. I I recently joined your Facebook group. Yeah. And that's, that's great to see. There is a lot of really supportive people in that group. Um, there's also a couple of other Facebook groups out there that – have a lot of resources and to give support for people, um, local mom groups as well, you know, and not everybody can afford a doula. And sometimes you don't need a doula. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need a good friend. You know, um, some people do need a doula. My first labor, I needed a doula. Um, one of the midwives that attended my birth was previously a doula. And I could not have gotten through that one hour of not pushing, without her coaching me and sitting right there through every contraction with me and like helping me breathe through it Mm -hmm. my second labor didn't need a doula you know I I knew what I was doing I had my support and was able to go through it but you just need to assess your needs you know yeah
0: definitely that's great that's awesome
1: yes Fantastic advice. Love it.
0: Michaela, thank you so much for being with us, for sharing your story. I feel like you opened up your home to us in a way and we got to, you know, be in your world and hear about all these amazing characters and, and how you've created your experiences, you know, with Chris and your community and your family. It's just really beautiful. It's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for others to hear this. And I'm excited to hear more because I heard you say subsequent birth. So we're oh, going to yes. to stay yes. in
2: touch, girl. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much for having me. I've, I've, you know, the last year, your podcast really helped me, you know, work through some things and just be able. To, it was a really nice release when everything was like crashing down around me um, during the coronavirus and having my sister's kids. It was really nice to be able to just like, I guess, disassociate a little bit and listen to other people share their birth stories and, you know, like, it, like you said, be there with them as they're going through this.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, we are so happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank, thank you so you. much, Michaela.
2: Yeah, thank you.